Welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party. This episode, me and Sean discuss the misery of housing for anyone who's under 35 or isn't a millionaire, and the coming threat of a union for self-styled intellectuals. This is also a pranks special. Uh, Are pranks revolutionary praxis? Uh, Maybe. Sean wrestles with his status as something of a prankster, reflecting on his prank-induced run-ins with everyone from a Tesco security guard a comedian willing to work for ISIS, and Toby Young. Toby Young wrote in The Spectator that he wanted to start up an intellectual trade union, which I couldn't read to begin with because it's behind a a paywall, The Spectator paywall. But I learned that on Chrome, if you just stop it loading the page directly as you see the text, you can read whatever you like and no one stops you. Hold on. So let's unpack this. One intellectual isn't a profession mm-hmm. right and so you you can work in like a mine and be an intellectual i don't think like it's going to toby things. young but yeah i think he doesn't want to say academic because he hates academics ha- hates academia and so he wants to open it up to the um the people who in my mind like i, I don't know what the phrase they use are but they call themselves like independent academics like they're not affiliated with an institution but they do turn up to any like public <laughs> talks to like <laughs> destroy the Q and A's. Okay, climate change deniers, or or just people who go, "Well, I've written this research that has no relationship with like the larger body of work on this topic, and I'd like to talk about that at length, but pose it as a question to a young PhD student <laughs> who doesn't know how to answer it and doesn't know how to get you to move on." That's what I have in mind when I think of uh, intellectuals who like want to work in intellectual sphere, but can't be explained away by the word academic. Devil's advocates. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just devils. De- yeah. Satan's. Beelzebub's friends. Beelze boys. So he was saying he wanted to make uh, an intellectual trade union hmm. and really wasn't hiding that he was mainly looking for race realists, <laughs> uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminists, and just general sort of anti-woke academic edgelords. And then just gave out this email address, which links to the John Stuart Mill Society. What? I think he uses it as a personal email address, but it's just the JS Mill Society, which... Is it like Toby at Toadmeister at JohnStuartMill.com? No, it's JohnStuartMillSociety at gmail.com. Like, it hasn't even got its own URL. But when when he emails you back, it's just Toby Young and it shows his face on it. So it's not it's clearly not an organization if he stuck his own personal profile picture. I love it. I reckon account. Mill would be on board with this. JS Mill would be a turf. That's a whole other segment to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm derailing you, bud. Continue. Um, so I thought, well, why not just drop a line to this email address mm. and see what the 
red lines would be mm-hmm. to join in. So I said, I used my own name, my own personal email address. I thought I won't even hide it so much that I can't even just be looked up. You're pretty much on the first page of Google because I get my first page of Google some wrestler. and a, I mean, actually, I'm on there, but if you, Sean Morley. Well, actually, my um, namesake is a more famous wrestler than your wrestler. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Your wrestler's absolutely fucking no one. My wrestler yeah. is Val Venus. Oh, Sean shit. Morley is the real name of Val Venus, who actually spans three corridors of the online community because as well as being an actual wrestler that's still wrestling now okay and an ex-porn star wow which pushes him up the seo again he has gone mad into cryptocurrency (laughs) he's become one of the big cryptocurrency figures in american wrestling so if Toby gave you a cursory Google, he's going to come up with this this libertarian wrestler, and man. he'll be like, "Yep, this is this is exactly who we want on board." <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, the Bitcoin perfect. throwdown. So I said, in fact, I can read out. I'll read out the email. Go for it. So the email I sent to the John Stuart Mill Society was, "Hello, I've just finished reading your piece in the Spectator regarding the creation of a trade union for intellectuals. I'm emailing away from my academic email address for reasons that I hope are obvious. I've been the subject of a lot of flaming in the blogosphere recently. <laughs> flaming in the blogosphere. For my views on the relationship between chemtrails and gender reassignment surgery. <laughs> and I wonder if I'd be able to take some refuge in your new trade union, as many others have done before me. I wish only to promote good faith discussion without <sighs> succumbing to the stentorian outcry of the Twitter Stasi. <laughs> Which is a term that I've hyphenated to make like a single new word. Oh, nice. Yours, Sean Morley. I just thought, I'll just thought I'd just mm. use my real name because why not? Yeah. It makes it better if it tricks him. Yeah. And that was five days ago. Okay. And then last night at half 11 at night, I don't know who. Friday night at half <laughs> yeah. 11. Friday night, half Fucking 11 at night. I got hell. a reply. And it's Toby Young. Like it's actually his profile picture. Because you know how you have an email address, but that email address can be associated with a, like a username. Mm-hmm. I've got a reply from Toby Young. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So the John Stuart Mill Society's picture is Toby Young. I so he's not even pretending to be the John Stuart Mill Society. He It says the John Stuart Mill Society. It's Archie. a screen grab of his own head that it looks like he's taken off Sky News. Fucking hell. Uh, hi, Sean. Thanks for getting in touch. It sounds like you're in need of the protection that a trade union along the lines I have in mind could provide. Mm. I'm hoping some gender critical feminists will join for the same discussion, wanting to have a good faith, scientifically informed discussion of transgender issues without risking being mobbed for questioning trans orthodoxy. Uh, He said he's writing a longer piece for an organization I want to set up for Quillette. Quillette's like a real, a, a bad egg Australian magazine with intellectual pretensions. And he's asked if I'll be able to give feedback after it's been published, and also saying that he's still umming and ahhing on whether he's going to publish the membership list. And it signs off all the best, Toby. Fucking hell. You got him. (laughs) Well, it could be it's just an auto-reply to everyone who expressed some kind of interest, but it does show that he he is almost certainly willing to accept dues for this union off of a chemtrails gender reassignment surgery guy. Because it wasn't just those two things. You have suggested those two things are directly linked as well. Yeah. Chemtrails causes gender reassignment surgery. I haven't exactly said that, but what else could that refer to? 
I'm working on. I mean, there's only there's only two correlative mm. links that I might be saying that chemtrails causes gender reassignment surgery or chemtrails is the one way <laughs> to prevent gender reassignment <laughs> surgery. If you want everyone to remain cisgender, we need more chemtrails. We need fucking jets yeah, to That's spray. what chemtrails are for, to keep you within the boundaries of your assigned gender. I want to unpack this trade union a bit. So his, his suggestion is that if these intellectuals, for example, someone who believes that chemtrails and gender reassignment surgery are inextricably linked somehow yeah that if that person withdrew their labor that would be a source of power for them so the, <laughs> the intellectuals can go on strike like what happens toby young doesn't write an article great like who's going oh shit it's not like oh no the bins haven't been collected we've got no coal like well, what? i think when you say unpack it let's take another step back to toby young's basic misunderstanding of what a trade union is yeah <laughs> he's taken the people who have been blacklisted i.e the industry they work in not only can work fine without them but actively yeah, yes. doesn't want them and then <laughs> going oh I, you don't fire me i've quit on the heart i am going on strike yeah yeah the people who are considered undesirables within their own organization are all going on strike at once thereby um, fulfilling the desires of the places that are blacklisting them. <laughs> Don't you dare suck me. I'll do it. Yeah. What? Listen, you woke leftist people, I'm going to destroy you by using group organisation. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. platforming is wrong. Everyone's a snowflake. So we are going to no platform ourselves. Take that. We are <laughs> through the matrix. <laughs> We've all Tyler Durdened ourselves. It's incredible. I can't wait to see how it pans out. And also, I believe that this character, the Sean Morley academic, I mean, I have to reply to him. I'll, I'll provide feedback. Yeah, no, we need to go again. deeper. Yeah, we're staying in. Staying I want to know if he gives haul. you like bank details to send money to. That might be the point where I jump out. I don't yeah. know how much he thinks would be a reasonable amount of dues because dues are normally meant to be in line with what your salary is and the salary for a, a tenured academic. Uh, it might be more than I'm willing to pay for a prank. Then you can just talk about how you've been purged from the academy because yeah, of the snowflakes. Yeah, I'm working on because all you know, apparently all universities are controlled by Marxists, cultural Marxists. Yeah. Which I'm, would be I'm just working incredible. in a frozen ice cream place now. I'm working on my. Can you pay in cryptocurrency? Can I pay in bucks? ideas? Can I pay in, in my ideas? Can I pay in research? Can I pay in being your social media manager? <laughs> <laughs> I've always been ill at ease with the idea that I might be a prankster. Although I admire their antics, the hallowed halls of the pranksters never felt like a suitable resting place for my mighty and indestructible bones. And yet it's hard to find another term to describe the many occasions where I've flippantly and impulsively lied and then committed to that lie for an unhealthy and destructive amount of time. Such as when in 2015 I spent a month convincing all my friends and family I had a show commissioned on Channel 4 culminating in the launch of a live-streamed launch party in which it was revealed that our production company had wiped all the show data due to a misinterpretation of New Labour's 1998 Data Protection Act. There was once a time when I used to post a lot of fake gig listings to online professional comedy Facebook forums to see if there were comedians that would apply to any gig provided there was a price tag attached. I tried listing gigs that were demonstrably unsafe, could explicitly catch fire, uh, gigs in barns alongside livestock, which would be uh, hell to perform in, 
and comedians invariably were up for it. And I found it quite an intellectual challenge to work out if there was a gig that comedians would refuse to perform at no matter what. And this culminated in two listings that I felt couldn't be tops. So let's start with the first. Hello. I am currently in the process of booking paid acts for the Young Conservative Future UK Gala. We need performers who describe themselves as being from a rough area, who are thus able to lampoon, in brackets, mock the perceived behaviours of the working class, e.g. irresponsible fecundity, poor vocabulary, and wearing sportswear as casual wear. The event will be held at 3pm, Sunday the 16th of November, at Hemel Hempstead Luftwaffe Memorial Pavilion. No chances. Thank you. So how did this pan out? Did people apply? Yeah, of course they did, in droves. Um, I asked each applicant who messaged me if they were happy to meet the brief. Some had a bit of a crisis of confidence, some backed out, but many said, yeah, of course, yeah, if the money's there. Uh, we had one guy who sent me a sitcom they'd made and asked me to check it out because the lead female was, in his words, as rough as you can get because she was from Basildon. He then linked me to some clippings from local newspapers from Basildon about how the locals were upset by how cruel the sitcom was. Um, so I guess in many ways he was uh, an, an applicable candidate for what was being uh, asked for, but I didn't really understand what he wanted me to do on a practical level. This was a live comedy showcase and he's sending me a sitcom. Um, so the conversation there really started to fizzle out. Uh, but my favourite guy was someone who was just asking a lot of questions. Just wanting to know who I was, what my connection to uh, conservative UK youth was. Um, and then in the middle of it all went, actually, no, I think this is a joke. Um, goodbye. And I looked this guy up. He turned out to be a journalist for The Guardian who really thought he was onto a scoop. So, yeah, of course, I'm asking people from uh, perhaps working class backgrounds if they'll um, perhaps put their principles to one side for a bit of cash. That's not really a, a very fair or, or reasonable uh trap to set so I really set myself out to work out could there be anything which people just on principle would never perform there no matter what and that's when I came up with the following listing hello comedy colleagues I've recently taken up the mantle of an esteemed Middle Eastern comedy club then there's uh, the title of the club which is in Arabic which if you just translate it back into English using Google Translate it just says great friends big laugh. I'm looking to book pro closers as part of the spring summer tour. £900 backs to cover your time, accommodation and the rest on compensating differential. The show is in Alcane, a popular border town and great nightlife spot on the border between Iraq and Levant. Please DM me on Facebook for more details. Thank you. So would anyone apply for this? The answer is yes. Actually, quite a lot of people applied for it. Many were just a bit slow on the uptake. They thought it was just an overseas gig. Um, some quickly and quite angrily dropped off once the penny dropped. Uh, but in amongst it were people who knew what this gig was, who exactly I was uh, talking about, and were nevertheless up for it if the money was there. Um, one circuit veteran even going as far as to say that the, 
the Mujahideen were our allies against the Soviets, so they see no reason not to respect those historical alliances as an international touring comedian. But let me share with you, in full, my favourite correspondence. Now, even though both characters are played by me, I will disguise his voice to better protect his identity, or for the more pressing reason of distinguishing between two speakers in a piece of recorded dialogue. I run management. I seen your call for established acts overseas. Can you give me more information? Can you tell me more about what you're after? Absolutely. Just some pro closers to ship out to Alcane for a spring summer package. What sort of acts do you manage? My main pro acts that regular close all the normal places are who was Anton Deck Golden Buzzer Pick at Britain's Got Talent this year. And if you go to my website, click on Act Management, and you'll see all the acts I look after, plus bios and videos. I can get hold of other acts if you're looking for a booking agent. This sounds great. I can't sign off on anything now, as I have to run booking decisions past my co-financier, Abu Bakir al-Baghdadi. But someone like would be great for this sort of show, I think. That great. Can I ask you, say the fees are £900. Do you cover travel and accommodation? What big names have they already had? That can be arranged, no problem. In the past, it's been people like uh, Rahola Khomeini, uh, Ayman Zawafari, and people like that. Not so many Western names. Okay, so why are they after Western names now? Is there much of an English-speaking audience over there? Well, Abu Bakir al-Baghdadi is trying to greater understand the Western threat by understanding its comedy. It believes these joke nights, as he calls them, is endemic of Western liberal nihilism. So I guess it's sort of an integration thing, a a clashing of cultures, um, probably some kind of cultural initiative I expect mixed up in some new council money. I'm more of a contractor, so I don't really understand the rationale behind it. Okay, well, sounds fine to me, and I would be more than happy in providing comics for you in that case. What is your background in comedy? Yes, that's no problem. Um, I used to act as the financial manager of Western Supermare Arts Centre from 1979 to 1985. Unfortunately, when it fell into the sea in 1985, uh, loam erosion, council refused to do anything about it, I began to look a little further afield. Now I work in Iraq and Levant with a recruitment firm called IS, which has an entertainment section but is primarily interested in mergers and acquisitions. So back in Western I dealt with all the comedy and all the big acts from London, so I know the setup well. Okay, cool. Well, like I said, I good my own acts can source others for you as well if that helps. Top draw. Could I get your electronic mail address? At dot com. Thank you very much. You may now see a lot of the dickheads getting involved in the message now. Take no notice of them. Oh, it's typical. You can't do anything these days to a large crowd without getting a few detractors. It doesn't matter now. The professionals will always look past it. Yes, totally. And that's when I started getting all these messages from one of his acts. Again, I'm not here to name names, but this guy was a big name in Britain's Got Talent that year. 
He was just making his career from primetime ITV and he's messaging me, he's, he's badgering me on a daily basis for an opportunity to perform for ISIS. It became a bit too surreal for me. People were messaging me with legitimate applications to perform for the Islamic State. It feels a lot like the acquisition of money really does top all of the priorities, at least amongst um, the mid-level comedy industry. But the challenge is still there. If any of you can think up a gig that would be less desirable to perform at than to perform for ISIS, my DMs are open. Can you ever come up with a listing for a gig that is paid that no comedians will apply for? My belief is no. But the gauntlet has now been thrown down. Best of luck. My bed touches three walls. It's a it's not a single, it's not a double, it's a single and a it's a single point five. I can't picture how a bed can be in a place that touches three walls. You open the door to my room. Okay, I'm on, in the room. On the left-hand side is a wardrobe. Uh-huh. On the right-hand side is just some wall. The corner of the bathroom where the bath is. Yeah. If my room was a square, that's it would poke into it. But my room is an L shape. Oh, you've got an L. No kind one... of an L. Kind of an L. Even so, an L doesn't explain how. No, I... no. So wardrobe on left. There is a small space. To the right, where there is a chair that I use as a bedside table that has a lamp and books on it. Mm -hmm. Standard. Yeah, yeah. At the other end of the room, so the other side from the door, is the window. Mm -hmm. Below the window, touching that wall, is one long side of my bed. The foot end of my bed also touches a wall, the same wall the wardrobe touches. The head end of my bed also touches a wall, the wall opposite the wardrobe. So when and you... there is one side of the bed which is has the chair beside it, and that is my access point to my bed. So when you're inside the bed, yeah. you're very much in, in an enclosed space. That's one of the upsides, actually. It's Would you like say I'm that's in beneficial? A nook. Do yeah. you get any natural light in the bed zone? Or is it only the stuff that peers well, through that I, narrow I, shaft? I mean, there could, there could, yeah, if I open the curtains, there would be natural light. But I'm mainly, so yes. I'm not spent, I'm not chilling out in there. I'm sleeping in there. I'm yeah. getting out. So it's kind of um, pod-like, womb-like. It's one level up from like a businessman's Tokyo pod. I was immediately thinking about those like incredibly small personal domiciles that they have in Japan. Yeah, no but, one's sleeping above me in a drawer. It's not like I pull out a drawer and there's a Tokyo businessman yeah. in it. Well, even like um, coach hotels you've got in Japan, you've got like the pods and stuff. And I think also like there's, a, there's airlines that let you live in this tiny cabin. Mm. It's not like a luxury cabin. We're again talking about pods. But also there's like these personal living spaces you can have, like these micro apartments, which are smaller than anything I've ever seen as a proposed individual house. Mm. Like even when we're talking about in like America and Europe, like millennials living in these converted shipping containers these things in japan which often um foreigners have to get the video i was watching about it you can find yourself in a position where your visa doesn't last a year right but a lot of landlords want to let you anything require a year contract yeah. so these micro apartments 
you could never spread your arms out fully wide in them. Oh. They are maybe about six feet long, and you've got one place to wash yourself. You can't see or even access the sink and the toilet at the same time because they both sort of fold out of the same wall. And you sleep on like a mezzanine above the living room, and the living room is just the size of you like sitting cross-legged on the floor and then you've got one small kitchen counter which is also i think your entry do you think because some people are proposing that shrinking living sizes is the only way to allow millennials to own their own property just we have to sell properties that are uninhabitable and then people can get on the property ladder by having one of the lowest uh, value properties I mean, going. just fuck the property ladder, right? There just needs to be massive regulations banned by to let landlords. If, like, if you're on a, just a basic social democracy reform, I think on Karl Marxstrasse in Berlin, the state or city government just bought a whole bunch of apartments off landlords mm-hmm. because they were pushing the rent too high. Just even basic social democracy, just rent controls and council or local or whatever the democratically accountable thing is. You know, you don't elect fucking landlords, you do elect a council. So yeah, sure. it'd be better for them to control these things because they're democratically accountable. It's a problem because on a really one very basic level, why fewer young people are Tory is because home ownership... Mm-hmm. invests you in capital because then you've got an investment because you have they capital want, and you don't you want it to capital. decrease in value yeah. exactly you're interested in you think oh because i've owned this for five years and i painted it cream that means it's now worth twenty thousand pounds more mm-hmm. even though you've done nothing to it people do like a boomer millennial thing but you know everyone's like oh the only way i'm going to be able to buy a house is if my parents die that's only true yeah. if your parents fucking own the house in yeah, the first yeah, place yeah, yeah. right If your parents have something to give you, there's so much dialogue around, oh, during your lifespan, you'll eventually have this point where you hit an inheritance. Some people's parents are like flat out broke. (laughs) My mum's got nothing to give me when she dies. And more so like my partner's mum's not got a lot to pass on either. Yeah. Same. I'm fucked. Yeah. This idea that there's one point where I just hit it big and I just got to stay alive until then. Yeah. Um, Are you aware of in America, there is a practice of people buying firearms and firing the guns into the sky at night to keep rent prices down. <laughs> that's praxis. That's fu- yeah. I didn't know about that, but that's fucking amazing. Because it's cheaper to invest in the guns and the bullets than it is to pay the increase in rent. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, That is like proper anti-gentrification moves. Yeah. Well, I, I, and bringing it closer to the UK, I can't remember if it's Bristol or Brighton, and even though they're really different places, mm. just because they share a slightly similar name, I keep mixing them up. Both of them are having the same problem where young people are being priced out. Oh, they're, they're mega being... gentrified, aren't they? Brighton more so in yeah. my experience. And so one of them has like an internal movement, and it's just sort of a... I don't know to what point it's like a meme and to what point it's actually like a grassroots movement. But it's called like, let's make this place a dump again. By allowing this place to look clean and nice and desirable, we're being priced out. Mm. Why don't we just squat around and fuck it up and like knock shit over so we can still live here? It's worth maybe getting an ASBO if you could still have a house. If things look ugly and undesirable to upper middle class people, yeah, that's the then key. I can continue to live in a property near my job. But then even places that are fairly, fairly grim, like Ancoats by Frog and Bucket in Manchester. Uh-huh. Uh, pretty grim area, but they've like redeveloped it. Yeah. And Urban Splash, who are this like huge development company that have these, they present themselves as having elements of like affordability. And they're building like two bedroom terraces in this area. 
that's like there's fuck all that like it's near to town but there's fuck all in it mm -hmm. other than like a tram stop and a canal people get pushed into yeah for like four hundred fifty thousand pounds for a two-bed terrace wow manchester's going like london 2.0 because of the building that high-speed rail thing they're putting up yet, luxury flats the, But everywhere. these luxury flats aren't that nice. I have seen the interiors of these luxury flats. And I've also seen the interiors of council flats that are in the middle of city centres. I would rather be in the council flats because at least there's fucking stuff around. Often council flats are built with a municipal idea that there are yeah. public services around. Or if they aren't, the council has, depends on what city you're in, I think this might vary, but councils have an obligation to put on stuff so that you have services, including like healthcare. Like there needs to be like gym facilities somewhere nearby so people can stay healthy and fit and they put on all these special access stuff. Whereas if you're in a luxury flat, luxury flats are just jg ballard's high rise like there's nothing going on but council flats like have this sometimes quite sterilized council yeah. city council style version of forced community better that than just this a la mode everything's a wipe clean service luxury flat where the developers just plonk them wherever there's affordable land there might be fuck all around oh i've got i've got pals that live in those like luxury flats the rent's crazy you're mm -hmm. talking like north manchester two bedroom flat 950 for two people yeah. which isn't if someone's listening to this in london they'll be like that's that's a pennies well but, up here that's above average yeah so back uh, off <laughs> um the flats are quite small they haven't got proper radios they've got those shitty electric heater things which are really inefficient yeah say there's like four towers they're in a weird like gated community there's like loads yeah. of security fences like you're going into jurassic park or something because they've built them in areas that were quite rough, I guess. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. they've gated them off. So that adds this like creepy, horrible element. Better to build the stuff up than across. You know, mm -hmm. we can't build Atlee, you know, era when Nye Bevan was the housing minister. Those we just like, built really, out, we built estates. Yeah, yeah those, but they're like amazing. Like the Atlee era council houses, if you try and buy one of them in Manchester now, that's going to be 200, 300 grand. We need to bring back the Quaker industrialists who are all setting <laughs> up sweet factories. Yeah. yeah. We need the Quakers to come back, have a second industrial revolution, and they invent a whole new industry based around confection. <laughs> that would bring it all back. Yeah, man. Yeah, we've put you all in the tiniest pods we can, and we're bringing back Turkish delight. Oh, man. They were trying to get people off the, uh, the booze, weren't they, by getting them onto the sugar? didn't realize the sugar was a horror show as well i would say sugar is doing worse to the uk than booze oh mate i love a bit of sugar i love a sugar high sometimes yeah. i'll just you know like a five pack of donuts that you can get for like 80 pence what's your favorite flavor depends on my mood i love all three the worst for you is the ring despite the absence of any sugary innard because of surface area to frying ratio yeah. I love a custard, but the jam is probably my, my go-to. There was a but while I'm, I'm where Tesco would do apple. Oh, what? And then they're gone again. They've just gone. Oh, my God. That sounds yeah. amazing. I found them in the big Tesco in New Street in Birmingham City Centre. It's got a bit of emotional resonance for me, that Tesco's, because I got banned from it <laughs> when I was a teenager. And vis-a-vis and -vis that banning, I got banned from all Tesco's in the country and all shops that had signed up to the nationwide crime stopper scheme wow i got banned from everything that bore that logo bad boy nationwide for an entire year so there's a picture of sean morley doing what gdpr means that's long gone right but for at least a year what did you what did you do <laughs> i'm gonna give it like a one to two year margin of error but i'll say okay. i'll be around 16 okay mini morley 
many but, more. But at physical. In fact, I could work out powerful. exactly when this was because it was just after the Poseidon Adventure remake came out. <laughs> the summer of the Poseidon Adventure yeah, remake. The Poseidon. Do you, do you remember? Poseidon Adventure remake. I mean, you have no reason I, to. I don't think it was. A I I really don't. That's fair. Uh, you, you I'm a big what, fan. I like Poseidon. Have you watched the original God of the Poseidon Sea and Adventure? Horses? Do you even know what I'm saying when I say is the it, Poseidon it, Adventure? I, I'm. Th- is there a movie of like the Odyssey or something? You're way off track with the Odyssey. The Poseidon Adventure is about a boat that goes upside down. It's like a. It's 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 a weak Titanic. Like Das Boot. Uh, no, <laughs> it's not like Das Boot. It is a 19. 19- 70s melodramatic boat catastrophe film in which a boat on the high seas goes upside down and all of the crew in order to get out have to go down through an inverted boat like on the ceilings of all the rooms while the boat floods from the top which is now the bottom like uncharted 3 without knowing anything i'm just gonna say no it's nothing like uncharted 3 um I watched it believing it was a classic, and it's shit. It's rubbish. It's really right. boring. It, it, it feels the remake or the original? The original. It has a lot of the feelings of being a made-for-TV movie, even though it was like a proper... I mean, that's what it gets for being a 1970s British film, I guess, or they all feel a bit like that. So to clarify, is the crime you committed in the Tesco, you attempted to turn the whole Tesco over and then escape? Imagine that was our intent, but we had to scale it down to make it more plausible. Right. What could we have done that relates the Poseidon adventure to Tesco's, but is within the scope, the realistic scope of five teenagers? I think if you're five teenagers, you can probably smash through a few good few shelves, turning every object upside down. Lower the scope slightly more. Trolleys upside down outside. Go back. You were warmer before. You're saying turn every product. It's okay. Turn down. some products upside down within the Tesco. Just riff around the idea. You're so close to getting it. Uh, rotate. No, no, no. You were warmer with upside down. Okay, so because we're talking about upside down. Turning what upside down? So not some products. Not all the products. I, 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 you're I, so I, close. You're in, so in the right ballpark here. Not all products. It's similar to some products but there was a rule we were following and it's really it's really basic think about type and token if you know that distinction no i don't know explain your clue okay type token distinction is in the word banana there are three letters by type but by tokens b-a-n-a-n-a there are six letters by token so so type is like the different categories of letter b-a-n-n appear so there's three letters by type but by token, how many individual instances of the letters? Ah, oh, one of every type is turned You've over. You've got okay, it. Okay, I'm sorry for listeners who got that way earlier than me. I think it'll be fun to that, watch you struggle. Yeah, I really fucked it. God, I'm an idiot. No, it's nice to have someone. like It's like when you're watching the quiz show and you know the answer and they don't. That's a lot. It's like watching The Apprentice yeah. and thinking, this idiot doesn't know how to run a business, forgetting that they've been set a multitude of tasks at six o'clock in the morning and they all hate each other. Yeah. No one would do well in that environment. But at home, you're like, I'd have come up with a better idea there, probably. Gordon Ramsay's right to shout at this very stressed man. Where's the lamb sauce? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> The Poseidon Adventure had come out, and I don't know why. It was a pre-meme era where we took the Poseidon and decided that Poseidoning could be a verb. And for some reason, oh, it, was a, it, was an, it was a teenage in-joke of turning things upside down. And we wanted to just go into the city centre and, and riff <laughs> on that idea. Poseidoning. So we went into what I think was... <laughs> 
We're the largest supermarket in Birmingham city centre and we turned one of every object upside down. Yeah. We're talking a Tesco extra. Uh, no, we're talking about like a two floor Tesco. Whoa. This is a big Tesco with its own like Whoa. elevators. That's got to be an extra. Not elevators, That's got to be an extra. Um, and then we were doing it thinking like, I don't know why we're doing this. It's just a waste of time. But then the security guards called us into the back office. Shit. And we were thinking... Hang on, this isn't an anything a bull offence. What do you mean you got called on the tannoy? I don't remember. They must have been able to round us all up, and then all of us were brought into the back room. I don't think there was like an announcement. So if it was an announcement, I think it was sort of bolted. Yeah, someone must yeah, have just yeah. got us. Like I, I, I was keen enough as a teenager with the lifestyle I led that bolting was in my repertoire. Mm, yeah, I and now I'll just run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so we were given this lecture and it was very strange that they were going so hard on us for this because it felt like such a benign crime. One of every product had been turned upside down. Slippery slope. Nothing fragile, nothing that could have broken or smashed, just things that you'd be like, oh, that one's upside down. Oh, one of everything's upside down. I think all of us thought it would be funny for any shopper to realise that one of every product's upside down and <laughs> wonder privately to themselves why that had happened. <laughs> But they could see us on the cameras and they're like, we'll just stop them doing that. But the spiel they were giving us, like the security guard, I remember this because it made me laugh so much that it's been scratched into my mind. He said, do you think people come into this shop to see upside down products? <laughs> 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 yeah. And, and, and this isn't a joke. I don't know if he was like trying to amuse himself with this, but he played this all completely straight. Right. He said the other day, he wanted to show us that he wasn't scared of us. I don't know why, because he was an adult. We were like children. We were scared of him. We were, we were mm. scared. He said the other day he had the triads in there. The tri- the triads. Yeah, triads the Chinese are mafia. The Chinese mafia. Yeah. yeah. And it, we were sort of close to Chinatown. But it, I mean, he didn't. Why would have? To, why would the security guard of Tesco's have cornered the triads? Are the triads? Are the triads in Birmingham? Yeah, they okay, are. Right. Yeah, the triads do operate. Because we've oh, got fuck. a. We've got an established Chinatown, and in fact, there was an actual case that was discovered of family beefs being arbitrated through, I think the triad, this is what I've been told, but it's like very hearsay, of planting dog meat in each other's bins and then calling the food agency. And then the food agency going, this is evidence that you've been using illegal foodstuffs in your food. Yeah. So yeah, I have I have other evidence to believe that the triad's did operate so he could have been telling the truth i mean i'm just i'm just talking hearsay down maybe maybe upside down a decade ago maybe upside down item is like one of the triad it's like you turn it upside down cut off one of your fingers kill a dog and chuck it these teenagers in hoodies are just being paid off yeah step one and i I, he's trying to do you a favor mate he's trying to stop you slipping down that slippy slope to triading so everything i've told you so far yeah are memories that I verifiably remember. And the next thing I'm about to say, I only doubt because it sounds so far-fetched that I just think it can't be true. Right. Like, I just doubt it simply because of the sheer absurdity well, of it. Because we're already, we're already at the point where this guy's making outrageous claims angrily at teenagers because the teenagers turned items upside down in the Tesco's and then claimed he wants corn at the triads. And this is... The next bit of the story, he said. He cornered the triads. He had the triads Multiple in triads. here. He said, I had the triads in here. He might have said it in a more like macho way of saying, do you know why I didn't hear the other week? The triads. Fucking hell. And then he goes on to say that the triads had laser guided flick knives. And what? that when, when they... 
<gasps> when they got them out in that room with him, which is just the back room where you can see the security cameras, it's not like some special ops interrogation room. It's just the back room where you yeah. can see the cams. They take out the laser guided flick knives, and he says, "Do you think you're going to get out of here alive?" <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and so. Why are they laser? How can you laser guide a flick knife? Yeah, because it's just a stab knife. It's just a knife for stabbing. Even if you're going to throw it, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any <laughs> there's, there's sense. no reason why you'd put a laser in a knife. <laughs> but um, I remember, I've got this vision of like, because one of my, because um, at least we had two female friends with us at the time, and one of them had already gone into cry mode because... Um, like dicks because it's if you can learn to cry as a, as a teenager who breaks the rules yeah it's a good you, move you slide through mm. but she struggled to maintain the necessary emotional state when she heard about this <laughs> flick knives because you know if you, if you, if you <laughs> to start to cry you need to make yourself feel the yeah. cry and when he goes do you think you're gonna get out of here alive she's like sort of laugh crying and i'm like don't blow our cover we need to be sad and like we need to show contrition. So it's not just one triad, it's multiple. He it's at least triads. two triads well, I don't versus know. Some, him. Someone could say the triads and they just mean some guy. Right. I mean, this guy could have meant a Chinese man. I don't know what he's referring to when he says the triads. But did he say laser-guided flip knife or laser-guided flip knives? Because that could be... Knives, mul- plural. If it's knives, even then, if it's one guy, it's someone dual-wielding yeah. mu- or multiple-wielding. He's got one on his head. Yeah, so at the very least, we're talking about one person with a knife in each hand with lasers on. Isn't the point of a flick knife, it's like concealed in like a comb or something? The whole... Everything I know about flick knives, I get from um, 12 Angry Men. Right. So the idea of a flick knife is that it's concealed, it comes out very quickly, and it's like for... You know, the, the knife equivalent of a dummy punch. It comes out of nowhere and it, it gets you. Sucker punch, sorry. Yeah. That's the idea of a flick knife. It's not like a katana blade that you like take out, enter into a power stance and then start using your techniques. Yes, yeah, a little one. Yeah. It's just yeah, a tiny you're, little... Do you think you're going to get out of here alive? So is he, he's implying, and there was no more to that story. He just basically said, The story Listen. ended completely abruptly then. The implication then is, do you think you're going to get out of here alive, Sean? That's the subtext of what I he's saying. I think the subtext is... This man's scared. The triads are afraid of this man. completely in control of the situation. Yeah. If I could deal with this triads thing, do you think I'm in any way flummoxed yeah. by five teenagers yeah. doing a Poseidon Adventure remake meme on our yeah. shelves? Poseidon in his shop. Yeah, we, that's what we did say. Do you want to go to Poseidon Tesco's? And then they gave me this. They said they're not going to call the police. And part of me was going, who's not going to fucking call the police? You bring the police here and you explain to them what we've done. They will get annoyed at you. This is not a police scenario. Mm. Uh, And then they gave us all this Crime Stoppers thing and they put us on a database and took our pictures. And I thought, this could be really inconvenient, but, you know, I'll put this on the wall for the time being. Uh, And then I just went in there the next week and no one noticed me. And that's when I found the, um, I think that might be when I found the Apple Donuts amazing yeah which is why it's a relevant story well and also <laughs> talking of poseidoning yeah very simple solution to the housing crisis is huge ships repurposed cruise ships yeah. they're so much more efficient you can put them on the water they've already built loads of them yeah put them on the water people are already living in shipping containers just ship them out mo- modify them yeah. put them on a ship and then you, you where you live can move around and much you know you're using one boiler presumably for the whole ship big problem with british housing everyone's got one boiler yeah yeah communal cleaning stuff you know we don't need one lawnmower 
for every house, we need a, lawn, a couple of lawnmowers for the street. Well, you don't need a lawnmower. So right? Cruise ships are yeah. a terrible example. Vacuum cleaner. Well, you yeah. could have a lawn on the top of a cruise ship. You could have like an allotment. I mean, you could go outside and suck the top layer of foam off the sea. Yeah, you could do that. I don't know why you would. And then <laughs> it you, would replace I, itself instantly. I think you could have allotments on the top of a big cruise liner. Yeah, perhaps. I think what... More of a sense of a community on a cruise liner than the luxury flats you were talking about. When I was watching... Make cru- nationalised cruise liners and make them communities. One of the solutions always start with nationalised and then something that no one's thought about nationalising before. Nationalise the cruise ship industry. Right. And Everything you're talking about feels like it's the prequel to Waterworld. <laughs> You're only watching the water well and you go, well, how did we get into this society? Well, nationalise all the cruise ships and send out everyone living in a shipping container into the sea. So that's a big step towards water world. Ships, mate. We could live on ships. I mean, we could live on ships. Historically, people have lived on ships. Yeah, man. Whether that's the solution to all our problems right pirate now. Pirate utopia. Yeah, okay. Not like a technological pirate utopia, but a proper swashbuckling scimitar. We don't, we don't have to swashbuckle. I wouldn't like to swashbuckle. I mean, if we're all pirates, it's just we're just uh, living in the Wild West then, but in the, on the sea. You are putting yourself at risk of being poseidon if you're living on a boat. Like, you can't Poseidon at the era council house or luxury flats. I'd say the best thing to say towards a house, and probably the main reason we live in one, is that no one as a prank will invert it. What we need to Poseidon is the system. Imagine waking up your house is upside down and like someone's filming it for YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> like it's you being punked. Shh, shh, shh. Look, shh, this shh, guy shh. doesn't know we've beside his house. Look, he's going to wake up. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, oh. Except the pilot gets uh, gets decommissioned straight away because if you do spin someone's house around when they're in it, they will they will die due to furniture falling on them. It is a 100% fatality rate. Imagine you were in this room we span it around. And that meant that all the wardrobes and all the f- anything not tied down, that will just f- tip. Everything will go into one corner and fall <laughs> onto you. You will die. If I was in, because then my bed touches the three walls, yeah. it would just immediately <laughs> flatten me. Like, a, like the that Jill gets in in Resident Evil 1. Yeah. Just bang. You'd be, like, you'd be like in an elevator that suddenly stops. Yeah! <laughs> you'd be in bed and the bed would just push you into the ceiling. <laughs> Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean. If you enjoy Mandatory Redistribution Party, why not subscribe? Write us a nice review or recommend us to a loved one. Aw, thanks. If this episode has radicalised you towards pranks or similar hijinks, uh, please do so responsibly uh, and don't mention me or Sean to any really hard security guards and or cops. Cheers. (laughs) 